0: and now it is time for we are just christians live from savona church in port st lucie here are your hosts mike schmidt and gary jones good morning gentlemen good morning and welcome to we are just christians we're really glad you tuned into the show today and we'll be on for the next hour on wpsl with a live call-in show about anything spiritual that's on your mind and uh, we're going to use the word spiritual there, Gary, very broadly, anything that's of interest to people. Most, you know, people tell you you shouldn't talk about religion or politics. I'm not sure I know how to talk about anything else. That's <laughs> what thing that's interesting to me. And the truth is, in the broad sense of even philosophically, everything can be brought down to religion or politics uh, depending on what you think but this show is about spiritual matters we are just christians and so my name is mike schmidt as you heard gary jones how you doing gary i'm doing fine this morning we're, mike. we're uh, partners on this show and we try to bring you that idea of being just a christian as opposed to part of some man-made tradition or church or or whatever it might be you might want you to think, think only about, in, only in line of what the new testament says
1: you might want to think about how the new testament designs defines being spiritual is different from the world
0: it is and i'm using that's why i say i'm using it in a broad sense not in strictly the spiritual sense i mean strictly in the uh, common use of the word uh, in in the sense that we're talking not just about you know diet or matters of physical things but anything that's troubling people's souls or spirits or things that that bother them uh that's what this show is what we're going to talk about that sometimes we talk about current events sometimes we talk about Stories or scriptures from the Bible. We talk about whatever's on your mind. Maybe you've got something that's come up in your own life that you'd like to know. Well, what does the Bible say about that? Uh, You know, the idea of whatever subject it might be. And we'll try to do that. That's what when you call the show. We're going to. Go look at the scriptures as best we can and try to give you some to take a look at. You can write them down, study them for yourself. We believe the Bible is written for you to understand, not always easily, but you, for you to understand, and then do something about, and we'll give you that direction. You can go from there, and when you call in, we're going to give you the last word. It's not about arguing. Even when we disagree, it's not just about arguing uh, about something. If you want to disagree and argue, that's fine. We'll give you the last word. So the numbers to reach us here. I, at, on WPSL at We Are Just Christians is 772-340-1590 772-340-1590 is how you reach us. And uh, Ray there at the station will put you right through to us here. We're, we're doing the show through Skype from our church building. And um, we'll be able to talk to you. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: I was just going to say that one of the things that we're going to reply with you about or uh, reply to you are you know, discuss with you is what this show is all about. And I want to remind everybody about that is John twelve forty eight? Jesus says, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. That's what this show is all about.
0: Right. That's exactly right. And so we want to make sure that you understand the seriousness of the matters that are discussed. And it's not just something to entertain ourselves intellectually uh, as we go through life. Now, there's a couple couple of other ways you can reach us if you'd like to to text us this morning. Some people like to text. It's easier. In fact, we already got a text. Um, You can reach us by text message at 772-260-6120, 772-260-6120, or that's my text number, Mike's, if you want to reach Gary. 7 it's very similar numbers there 772 340 6220 772 i said it all wrong start <laughs> over again I was thinking about something trying to do three things at once here yeah well, that's 772 that won't work right 772 260 6220 772 six, 260 6120 or 6220 so you can text us and uh, we'll go from there. We'll try to work the text into the show, answer as best we can. We'll, we'll put your phone calls to the front. So the phone calls come in at 772-340-1590. And then we all sometimes have things we want to talk about ourselves. So we'll work all that together and hope you'll stick with us for the rest of the show. This show is not scripted. So sometimes it sounds like we don't know what we're doing and probably because we uh, we we don't. We're not professionals at this. We're simply trying to put forth an idea in this community, and we're glad to share what little bit we do know about the Bible with you and you, and you with us. And maybe we can both uh, learn something. If we need to change our mind, then let's be willing to do that. This show is not about, oh, why can't we all just get along? We're not saying when we say that we all ought to drop all of our Uh, denominational ideas and divisive ideas of creeds and all that stuff, we're not saying that just any old idea is good enough. We're saying we need to all go back to what the scriptures say in a plain and simple reading of scriptures and drop all of our other ideas, especially as they divide us, because we're going to be divided mostly about what the scriptures don't say about our own thoughts and ideas that we would say, well, that's my heritage, or that's my culture, that's my family's religion, or this is the idea that I grew up with. We're trying to say go beyond all that and go back to the beginning and be just a Christian. Now, I think there are probably a lot of people that want to do that in this community, and that's what this is about, Not everybody will. Some people are married to their family's religion, and I hate that, and that's not good, but that's the way it is. I understand that. But if you want to be just a Christian, then try to understand over a period of time the ideas we're putting forth on this show. It's a process. It's something that's learned. And then delving into the Bible yourself, rather than letting some professional tell you what to believe about it, uh, is a challenging thing. It's a lifelong challenge, and we invite you on on that with us, that idea with us on this show. Well, we got a text, Gary. I guess it's about, I can make a b- couple brief comments about it. I didn't share it with Gary yet. Uh, let see if I can find it here. Um, why doesn't it show up on my, oh, here it is. When I, sa- I think I said something about um, spirituality, about being spiritual. And so John, yeah. uh, a text in, I think, Johnson Bureau Beach, uh, this is a modern concept. In the past, religion and politics were not separate ideas. And that can be discussed. I think that's probably generally true. That's what distinguishes the Middle Ages, for example, from what we would call modern history. Now, we think of modern, we think of the 1970s on, but the word modern, when used in a cultural or historical idea, or philosophical framework, is really from the time after the Middle Ages, from the beginning of the Renaissance till now. Now, we're really in a postmodern time since the mid-1900s. We've been in a postmodern philosophical framework. And I know that most people aren't familiar with that, so I'm not trying to uh, just say something that's off the wall, but that's kind of how it's framed. So when you, you can read these terms in articles and maybe you misunderstand them. In, in medieval times, because of the dominance of <clears throat> the Catholic Church in European society, there was very little difference between what the church taught and what the politicians did sometimes. Now, the politicians were corrupt. They were they were politicians. They were power-hungry men, greedy men, just like the uh, very many of the bishops and leaders of the churches were. Not all, but many were. And so they kind of brought all their political ideas into the church, and then they put those ideas out as true religion. Actually, Gary, that began somewhat after Constantine in the 300s, Yes. When Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the empire, that had some good things about it. But the bad thing it had about it is that every every corrupt, wicked politician, even like guys like Caiaphas, the high priest of the Jewish system, they weren't religious men at all. They were power hungry, greedy politician men. Yeah. Yeah, they were very, very wicked. And but they, they got they, but they had religious robes on. But they got those offices by practicing politics. Exactly. No, not, and they not, held on to them that way, even yes. if they had to kill people like Jesus to get it done. Now that same kind of thing happened in the quote unquote church it had already drifted away from the apostolic idea. If you read almost any historian of whatever religious background, he will tell you that the church of 320 A.D., Constantine's time, was very different than the church of the apostles' time because it had already become politicized. And then they made it even more political after that. And so people could become a quote-unquote Christian just by being born into a particular family family. And they could be the whole idea of nominal Christians came about. The reason that you see a difference when you read the New Testament Book of Acts particularly, you see such a difference of dedication and fervor in those early Christians and what you may see in your own lifetime. Is that in that first century it was hard to be just a nominal Christian. There was so much opposition to being a Christian. You were so antagonized for it that you wouldn't be one unless you really meant it and had some courage behind it. But once it became legal and everybody could do it without any penalty, then you get, you bring in all of the, you know, guys that go to church like they do today so they can make business contacts. It's all about networking and mod- the big churches around Port St. Lucie, Stuart, uh, Fort Pierce. The church is about networking for a lot of these business people and other people, and it's not about religion. And I've even seen it in the churches of Christ. Of course, yeah, yes, because that's how nominal Christians act. And so then over – but what happened in the – so the church life covered all of society. I think that's what John is probably getting at here. And yet – and now in the Renaissance, there came to be a, a separation.
1: i ask you a question, Mike. Yeah, okay. Do you think with the politics going the way it is today that we're heading much more toward the conditions like the first century where Christians are going to be looked down upon and persecuted? Oh, yes, yeah, In sure. many ways. Absolutely that, already there, Gary. And so what, what God's going to
0: find out is who has the fervor and who has the real belief. Right. And, it's just, and and that's going to be that sounds like a good idea. And I guess it is. But I'm telling you, in pr- in practical terms,
1: it's not going to be a very,
0: very negative thing for many people. Lots of people are going to be lost because they won't stand up to the test. Yes. So I've dedicated what I have thought here the last years of me preaching to trying to strengthen people for that time that's coming. So they will hold fast to the faith and not give in to this idea. But but uh, we're already in as Aaron Wren and others well, there's that say so we're in the negative world now in the United States.
1: Yeah, there's two good chapters that kind of reflect that first century attitude, and they're both in, in the book of Revelation. And many times, almost always in those books, Jesus says toward the end of the letters to the churches, he says to he who overcomes, I will give like the tree of life right. or I will give. These things right. that, that are blessings to the them.
0: book of revel, the applicability, that's another subject, I don't want to get too far off it, The applicability of the book of Revelation today is not about trying to predict the end of the world. No, the it's not. Forth. It's about preparing you to stay firm in a time of persecution when. Big empires and governments oppose you, and, and, and even local leaders. It's trying to help you stay firm and show you that God is behind it all, and God is going to save His people through this problem. And that God keeps His promises, right? Exactly. So you can have confidence. That's that's the real benefit of the Book of Revelation in modern times.
1: Not as much fun to read it that way, but it's really really much closer. To yes, truth and, and, and we're living people's.
0: in that time of a, it's a negative. I can give you, I can tell you this as a preacher now for right at fifty years. I know that doesn't sound to me, that doesn't sound like that long of a time, but I know that's a long time and, and a lot of things have happened. But when I was a young man starting out and I would tell someone, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a minister. or I'm a preacher. I got a positive response from people for the in general. And this is even in South Florida. I started preaching down in Boca Raton, Fort Lauderdale. It was even in South Florida um, for the most part. And people would say, oh, that's nice. They'd ask me about it. Uh, as time has gone by, I don't get that reaction at all today, Gary. The only, the only way I get that reaction uh, um, from people out in the public when they ask me and we talk, I'm trying I'm to be, you know, talk to people as I meet them, be friendly. I get that reaction from all the time from people from the islands, from the Bahamas or Haiti or, uh, or um, Jamaica, where they have a much more religious culture. I get a more positive response. But generally from Americans and Europeans, I get a very negative reaction, a cold reaction when I tell them that I'm a minister or a preacher because we're in the negative world. And the European culture is far ahead of ours in this. But we're going there as Americans where religious people are being shoved to the side and viewed very negatively. And so. Now, I'm not complaining about that. I'm not whining about that. I'm simply telling you a fact. And I've had to adjust the way that I relate to people, the way I talk to people, the way I present myself and others because of that. So I can still maintain a relationship or friendship with people and, and so forth. And that's one thing. All Now, in all that 50 years, I can tell you, I don't think I've changed very much in my disapproval. Of the vast majority of so-called Christians and preachers in the way that they've taught the New Testament, where they've taught the Bible, and I've always been willing to—I don't—I don't—I'm not going to defend a particular church. I'm going to defend what the Bible says. Well, that's the whole. Does that whole, make any sense? Well, that's the whole, I, that's whole, whole thing. I can defend. What, what
1: did we say? Jesus told us in John 12:48, Mike. He okay. says, "What happens at the judgment is going to happen based on what He spoke." not what somebody else spoke right. or thought it's right. going to be based on what he spoke. And that's what we need to know, know, and understand what he spoke. That's what we are
0: to live our lives by now. Yes. Right. I and mean, we have to also be willing to acknowledge that one of the reasons that, that, that the church has a negative impression in the world today, and it's always been this way too, because Christians because, fail at that. Because, yes. Because during our lifetime, Gary, because of the sexual revolution and the rock and roll revolution, Whole hordes of Christians and preachers have failed the gospel by their own – by being seduced by sexual immorality and greed and covetousness of our culture. They've been seduced. They have damaged the cause of Christ in our our time, and the preachers and teachers like you and I that are just trying to do the best we can with what we have and teach people, we bear the punishment for that. Because as soon as you say the word preacher, I've had people tell me this. Well, what are you after? What do you want from me? They think I'm after their money or I'm to be distrusted. I understand why they think that. But now here's the thing that we'll go back to the original question, uh, the idea of spirituality. So in our time since the Renaissance in the 1500s, there's been this separation between society and religion. A separation between ordinary life and spiritual things and then spiritual things have become since we've become more and more pagan more and more oriented toward false gods in our lifetime spirituality has come to mean any kind of feelings that I get in my own heart so I can follow tarot cards and and even voodoo if you're coming from the islands and other types of spiritual pursuits spiritual meaning whatever is in my head whatever I'm feeling. That's how yeah. the spirit. And of course, the Bible used the word spiritual very differently from that. Yes. Very differently from that. Now we've got a call. So I guess we should go there I and mean, we might come back to this idea. That's a good, that's an interesting point, brings up a huge range of subjects to discuss. And I thank you for that text. Um, Jerry's on the phone uh, right now. Jerry, what what can we do for you?
1: Mike, uh, good morning, Gary. I, I, uh, a really interesting program. This is kind of off-topic question, but uh, as far as infallibility, infallible, uh, when they, they, they said Christ, that the Son of God is, is infallible also, and uh, I just wanted to make sure I understood those, uh, that uh, Christians, uh, Christ would mean uh, the, the Son of God, and he is also considered infallible. And I would just like to listen off there about those two crimes, Mike. And I'd like to listen off air. That'd be okay. That'd
0: be fine. Thanks for calling, Jerry. Um, all right, infallibility. And I suppose that from what I, I'm i going to assume this, I meant to should have asked Gary before I hung up.
1: Um, well, while that, you're looking that up, there there's I think the only two passages that come to my mind that bear on that relative to Jesus is John 8 and 7. He says, so then they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw the stone. He he references being without sin and he talks to those people relative to the lady that was caught in adultery. But then in Hebrews, chapter four and 15, uh, it's said about him, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus okay. was without sin. And basically, that's part of what we're looking for here. I think that's related to what you might call infallibility, uh, to be able to
0: live God's life without missing the mark, so to speak. You know, this is an interesting subject because um, I think Jerry's probably referring— And I appreciate that, Gary. I'm not contradicting what you're saying here, but Jerry is probably referring to papal infallibility most.
1: Yes, yes,
0: of course. uh, Yes, you and I I believe that Jesus is infallible. What he taught came. He said, "All my teaching comes directly from From the the Father. Father. He has revealed it to me. I'm revealing it to you, and He cannot err because He is the Word. He's described in John 1 as the Word. So it's hard for Him to be." That the word, wrong word, because he word is the that word, word from us. God. That word that, that it, will judge Right, us. so he is obviously infallible. Now, the question is, since he went back to heaven at that time, is there anybody else that's infallible? And what is infallible? Well, the only thing that... I'll just summarize. The only thing that Gary and I believe is infallible on the earth now is the word of God. It's the word of God. Okay. As left and, and Jesus said, what I, Paul as through Paul, I wrote these things down when they were revealed to me and I leave them for you to read that you might understand my knowledge of the mystery. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. So we believe that the text of the scripture as revealed by the Holy Spirit is infallible. And that's why what this show is about. We believe that we should be following that infallible word, not the word of a council or a cardinal or a bishop or or a a preacher or a modern-day apostle, but only the apostles of Jesus Christ from the New Testament times. We believe we can follow that word. Now, there's no way that God could reveal something to human beings given the nature of human beings, that would never be misunderstood or misinterpreted or twisted by human beings. It's always going to take work for us to understand the word of God. And you can even see this when Jesus speaks to the apostles. They didn't always understand immediately what his words meant, and it took them time to understand those words. But the only thing that Gary and I are going to say is infallible is the revealed word of God no man is infallible, Gary and I are not infallible we don 't pretend to be never make that claim, and you should never take that what we say is something infallible that you have to believe well that 's why we don 't lead this church that way either yeah,
1: that 's why we say you need to go to the scripture. you need to go take what we say, go to the scripture, and understand what the scripture says right.
0: so it 's one thing to be a teacher and try to explain. Take the text and explain it. It's another thing to claim that you have some special revelation. Now there are plenty, plenty, plenty of modern day teachers out there on the TV and all the mega churches who are claiming various kinds of inspiration. I got I could go back ahead a little bit of time and look at my hard drive here, Gary. Uh, actually, it's an SSD, but we won't be too technical. <laughs> and I could find you statement after statement that I've saved. Of these modern-day mega-church preachers and other people in evangelical churches and Pentecostal churches, charismatic churches, who have made statements basically saying the Holy Spirit revealed this to me, the Holy Spirit revealed this to me, and they're claiming to be infallible when they do that. Okay, they're claiming infallibility on that point because if the Holy Spirit revealed it, there's no question about it. There's no reason for me to argue about it because the Holy Spirit revealed it. Now, the, this is the question. It's, this question has plagued Christians, as it were. From the very beginning. OK, now, what the what the Roman Catholic and it comes primarily comes down to us through Roman Catholic theology, which says that the pope acting as the and I'm reading. right. I just happen to look it up. I'm reading from Encyclopedia Britannica. Which is somewhat of a source. <laughs> I don't know what source you would use.
1: Well, be, be but, careful because I read one of the articles about the first pope, and it was a it was a Catholic article, Catholic course. written article.
0: I know you've got to take it all that way, but it says that the pope, acting as supreme teacher, and under certain conditions, ex the conditions are he's speaking ex cathedra from the throne. So this current pope, he he says a bunch of stuff that doesn't even align with. Even recent Catholic theology, and some people get upset about it, but the Catholic Church's position is: well, the Pope can say whatever he wants. He's not infallible. He only he's only infallible when he speaks ex cathedra. In other words, he's sitting in a special chair and he says, "Now I'm speaking directly from Christ." This happens once every couple hundred years. Literally, he says something like that, but uh, he contradicts all these teachings, and you're supposed to follow them. But when challenged on it, and when challenged on why this modern pope contradicts the other popes, they say, oh, well, he's not infallible unless he's speaking ex-cathedra. And yet when they, turn around to tell, when they turn around to tell the average Catholic, many of you out there listening to this are average Catholics, they will tell you that what the pope says is infallible. Well, just I want you to just think about that for a minute. It says that when he, he's doing so, uh, when he teaches on matters of faith and morals, and he cannot err. Now, here's the other interesting thing about this. The term infallibility was hardly ever mentioned in the early churches or in the medieval churches. In fact, the most notable case about heretical doctrines came fairly early in the 600s. The first pope, Gary and I, I believe, was probably appointed in about 600 A.D., the first real pope. The first pope, as we know uh, that. We, as we know it doesn't go back to Peter. It goes back to about 600 A.D. And so he was condemned by the Third Council of Constantinople for teaching error. And then later he was condemned again for teaching error, supposedly an infallible pope. Now, well, here's the, here's the interesting thing, though, for you modern Catholics out there. the if you If you were to talk to your priest today and ask him about the doctrine of infallibility, he would tell you, and I'll, I'll almost guarantee you this— that the Catholic Church is an unchanging church that has never changed doctrine, and the teachings of the church have always been there from the beginning. That's what he would tell you, including the teaching of infallibility. Do you know when, Gary, the doctrine of infallibility was established as a as a firm teaching of the church? Not of the day, probably uh, eighteen seventy. Oh, okay. I have a story about, I have a story okay? about that. That's when and, and it was done under considerable controversy.
1: I had a history teacher once that taught me history and we were going through the history of the mid-1800s the civil war and he says this you know being a student of history he was basically had his degree in history he says this is not really history this is current events this is current events these are things that are happening that affect you today still these are current events they're not really history uh if you want history you want to go back to 64 a.d Uh, I would implore, this this doesn't mention infallibility, but it does mention that error, which is part of the definition of infallibility. Jerry, take your New King James Version or your New American Standard Version or American Standard Version, open to Galatians chapter 1. And I want you to underline verses 6 through 10. Because they read from Paul, writing this, says, I marvel that you are so soon turning away that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who troubled you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. That's error. But even if you, if we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For now do I persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I pleased men, I should not be a bondservant of Christ. Right. I don't know how it gets much clearer. Where do you find what the gospel is that Paul preached? How can you find that today? It's in the scripture. Right. right. There's just no other way to
0: go. And, 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 and that then involves... The human problem of people understanding things differently because of their various, their own faults and other things. It involves a constant reworking of that and changing and learning. And for us to say, to try to make it simple and say, well, that's, can we solve that? We could just solve that by making one man infallible and saying that whenever it's necessary, the Holy Spirit will speak to him and straighten everything out. Listen, If I if I wrote down every doctrine that I've read in my lifetime that's been supported by somebody saying the Holy Spirit told me this, you would have a huge long list of contrary conflicting doctrines of every sort. It would be unimaginable how many conflicting contradictory doctrines have been told to me and what I've read about that have all come supposedly from the direct revelation of the Holy Spirit. And that's the problem. We think, well, that'll solve it. Let's just have the Holy Spirit speaking in a, in a tongue to some somebody in the church who will just believe that. The problem was people, people confuse that whole supposed Holy Spirit with something else. So God said up God wrote it down. Now in the New Testament times, we have a period in the turn the New Testament, we have a period of time when those all those different books and that whole revelation was giving being given piece by piece by the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, being given piece by piece. And when the whole, that which is complete, has been has been given, the whole thing, then that revelation would stop. So once the whole New Testament was revealed, the direct revelation of the Holy Spirit ceased. Paul says this will cease, tongues will pass away once all the parts have been assembled paraphrasing first corinthians 13 8 and so yes. and so forth and so you have that that doctrine then of the cessation of the spiritual gifts otherwise we're living in it we'd be living what we in today where this teacher in this church is teaching this this one's teaching that and they're doing so not by saying well i've studied it and this is what i think they're doing so by saying the holy spirit told me this I read a story a while back, a guy that used to preach real strong about, you know, premarital sex and and uh, abortion and all this kind of stuff. And then one day the church finds out that his daughter had had an abortion, his teenage daughter had, had an abortion. And his explanation was very simple to the church that, well, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that it was it was OK, that I'd been wrong and it's OK for you to have an abortion. And the Holy Spirit told me it's OK. And, you know, a good portion of his church thought that was fine. Some didn't, but some thought it was fine. Because as soon as you throw in the word Holy Spirit, revealed it to me, everybody goes along with it. Don't fall for that trap. I'm sorry I'm getting excited about this. This is is probably the biggest er error in modern religion, this idea that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you individually and tell you what's right or wrong about everything. And that is gonna, that's going to leave no room ever for you to change your mind about anything. Right. Okay, you can never change your mind about it because the Holy Spirit told you about it, and yet people do all the time. And, and So it's a very discouraging thing to get caught up in that in the long run. It'll, it'll ruin your faith in the long run.
1: In, in 1 Corinthians uh, 13 and verse 10, it said, But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will done, be done away. It's very easy to under, misunderstand that verse. I've heard a lot of people teach that's Jesus because he was perfection. Well, yes, he was in a sense perfection, but this perfect here means complete.
0: Like, not mean not, morally not, not,
1: does not mean without and flaw. And it's in
0: reference to something that which is, not he who is. Yes. Okay. Plus, the whole point is the idea of the revelation there, not a person. Exactly. And so, um, anyway... That's a verse that is disputed because of this very idea, because a whole lot of churches and people want to have the imprimatur of the Holy Spirit on them so that they can't be contradicted. The Catholic Church is no different than any other church in this way, and this is the this is the danger of it all. And um, you, you know, the when you read what what Catholic bishops and, and scholars have said over the years. Uh, You you know, there's a lot of good things in there, of course. Uh, One of them was that I read, I just can't quote, I can't quote the source of this, and I'm not going to quote the whole thing anyway. But he says, you Protestants have your own problems. You can complain about, you know, the Catholic Church having a one-man system of the Pope speaking and everybody following along if you want to. But at least we have unity. He's very wrong about that. Okay. <laughs> He's very wrong about that. Now, even if you go back to this issue of infallibility, it was extremely disputed. Lots of people were excommunicated that had been long standing with the church over this 1870 vote and the council to teach this doctrine of infallibility of the Pope. But anyway, his idea is we're united. And if you go with this idea that you, just, you should just read the Bible and follow the Bible, then you're going to end up splintering the church into small factions. Well, now, Historically, he's right about that in a general way, that the idea that anybody can read the Bible and understand it will lead to people who are divided because people are going to follow their own heart. They're not going to keep searching for what the Bible does say. They're going to try to they're going to do two things. They're going to loose where the Bible has bound and they're going to bind where the Bible has loosed in their teaching. They're going to enforce things the Bible never enforces. And they're going to keep things open that the Bible does enforce. And therefore, because of their own personal preferences, they're going to do this. Yes. So you and I, Gary, as leaders of the church here, never goes to everybody else, have to be constantly aware that we can enforce as if it were law, our own preferences about how to do things. It's one thing for you and I to say we think that at a good time for the church to meet for Bible classes is Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and have our worship at 11. It's one thing for you and I to say, we think that's wise and a good thing to do, and we're going to do that here. It's another thing for that to become the law, and then our children be afraid to move that time to 10.30 or 11.30 because they would be breaking some command of God to do it that way that was passed yeah. down from the elders of the church
1: and and Mike that's something we have to constantly keep in mind that basically what what we say and one of the one of the reasons that I often say from from the podium out there i won 't say from the pulpit, but basically when I teach. You should not take what I say as scripture. You should go to the Bible and read it yourself. It's one of the reasons why I put the scriptures on the, on the display. Right.
0: They can see it for themselves. They walk yes, in this church building. Exactly. When you come to classes here, sermons, what you will mostly see projected up onto our big television and, is and Scripture. Not all of it, but most 90-some percent of it is going to be Bible Scriptures that we're talking about trying exactly. to explain. You can look yeah. at it yourself and 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 learn. Let's see,
1: And then you should take notes and look at that and go back and look at the context of it. And there are other places in the Scripture that bear on that. You need to study those as well. Um, and still, Mike, from time
0: to time, I suspect we fail. Well, I'm sure we do. And that's why we that. But that's the, the only fail safe there is we're not telling people. Well,
1: the only fail so what safe we're saying is uh,
0: inspired.
1: Well, and, the, and another fail safe that there is there's two of us, at least two of us, right. maybe three or four. Right. If, if we have qualified. And men.
0: we have classes. So you're open to
1: uh, talk about that in exchange.
0: That's uh, exactly why I think
1: the scriptures say you
0: don't put a point elder an elder in singularity to a church. Right. Not the. Pa- I'm not the pastor of this church. Gary's not the pastor of this church. Right. Because New Testament churches had more than one shepherd and more than one elder because of this very problem that we're talking about. Now, John also texted in Gary uh, uh, that this is the cop involves creeds. And I think that's an important point. We do not have a creed. The word creed comes from the, latin credo which means i believe and you'll hear me say at the beginning of this show that uh, we don't follow we want you to get past and abandon human creeds and teachings and councils and popes and stuff because we're trying to get past beyond a creeds creeds were developed fairly early in christianity in a few within a few hundred years because there was false teaching going around and so you made people then swear That You wrote a document that says, I believe this and I believe that. People had to swear by that document, take that as an oath that they believe this before they could be a part of a church. And these creeds then developed into official statements. And then this creed came over in opposition to this creed. And pretty soon you had the development of what we would call today denominations based on the various creeds. And so people argued over the wording of the creeds, Gary rather than arguing over the words of the bible they began to argue over what creed they're supposed to believe in you and i well i i can't speak for myself anyway i don't believe in enforcing creeds in this church i believe that our creed and it sounds this sounds like an evasion i could be willing to debate that i don't think it is our creed is the new testament exactly and if there's something in the new testament that is there that I don't believe? I should believe it. And what I'm saying when I say I believe the New Testament is, I believe even the parts I don't understand. I, the parts I believe I don't, even the parts I don't know. I believe those. Or the parts I don't like. The parts I don't like. I believe those, and I'm going to try to follow those as soon as I can, whenever I can. If now, I don't, so we're only going to enforce the words of the Scripture. And if I don't understand them, I need to search for understanding. Now, now you and I, as leaders of a church, are going to make practical decisions about that. Uh, for uh, about things like marriage and divorce or sexuality, We're going to have to make decisions about what we're going to do in specific situations about that, but it's going to be based on the text of the Scripture. We're not going to go back and compare it to a creed of the Church of Christ somewhere. Now, this bears on another subject. We, we got involved in this and didn't have time to deal with it today, but we will soon. Someone asked recently about, uh, do I have to be baptized in a Church of Christ uh, to be a Christian? And we'll come back and deal with that. You and I believe we have to be baptized to obey the New Testament, what Christ says, and so forth. And when you do that, you will be in the New Testament church, the Church of Christ. When you do that, we can talk about another subject. But the idea then is we don't enforce creeds. And I think creeds are what divide people. We want to get past that. And we don't recite creeds here. We don't recite the Apostles' Creed here. You know, probably the truth is, Gary, I believe what the common interpretation of the Apostles' Creed I probably believe 90-some percent of that, okay? You might not have ever read it. I haven't even read right. it. Right, but I'm just saying that's that's what interest we have in creeds. The <laughs> church even read the Apostles' Creed. We have an interest in the New Testament, though. So I probably agree with most all of it, unproperly understood, but I'm not going to teach the people here to memorize and recite that creed. I'd rather that they memorize what the Scriptures say about whatever subject it is. And that's going to leave room for different understandings of things as we grow. But when I'm not enforcing a creed, I am preventing a lot of division, a lot of people separating themselves because of an argument about a creed or a handbook or a manual or a discipline or whatever, whatever the denomination you're in wants to call their book.
1: Yeah, understand when people say attend the church of your choice implies that there are multiple churches out there and there and one of them might be your choice yet jesus said to peter he said you are peter and on this rock i will build my church how many peters were in that one how many rocks were in that one how many
0: churches were in that one historically this phrase join uh, join the church of your choice or whatever is historically that sounds like it's an old phrase but it came it really came into the light in the 1950s on into the 60s when you and I were young, uh, this ecumenical movement took hold in the United States. Before that time, everybody said, no, attend the Methodist Church. I'm gonna, they're gonna, they had debates. I got lots of debates in my library, Methodists debating Baptists, Baptists debating Lutherans. Everybody defended their church as being the right church teaching the correct doctrine as being matching the scripture as matching the and they would go to the scriptures to trying to prove that their church was matching that i like that idea a lot better than the one where whatever your church says is fine we're all just going to agree to get along but that idea came about in the 1950s as part of a big social trend this way really and really so really caught our, on in the 60s right and our children and grandchildren most of the adults have grown up with that idea that every church it just goes another now i can tell you in america and in, in europe that was not the idea until fairly recently i would rather see someone who had a particular belief about something defend that belief I have much more respect for those who will defend what they believe by using the scripture even if i disagree than those who make no defense of their beliefs simply say, well, that's what I believe, and you can't attack it. You can't attack me because that's just what I believe. Well, no, I can't. I can tell you that it's wrong. But see, that, uh, that's, that goes against the postmodern idea. See, remember I mentioned medieval, modern. We're in the, the postmodern idea, Gary, is that there's no such thing as truth and that no position can be defended as absolute truth. And so that filtered down into religion, into this idea that whatever one church teaches is as good as another because there's no way you can ever know absolute truth and there's no such real thing as truth.
1: And you sure can't get that idea out of the Book no, of God. No,
0: that's where we are. In the, and now then that's gone into the whole culture, not just in religious matters or, or political matters. Now it invades every area of life down to sexual matters that you can't ever know what's right or wrong or good or bad or true or false. So whatever you want to believe individually is fine and no one should ever criticize it. This idea is a a very destructive idea. It's probably the most fundamental thing that you and I deal with on this radio show from week to week. It's probably the fundamental thing that most people struggle with from day to day. They just don't realize it because they're trying to find some kind of way to understand the world and their own self And they're being told by everything around them in the culture that there's no such thing as truth. They're being told they can't ever find out what's really going on. And And that's a discouraging thing for most people.
1: And and the Bible just does not reflect that idea. Jesus says in, in, uh, I think it's in Matthew 15, maybe beginning about verse 7, he's talking to scribes and Pharisees. He says, hypocrites, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips? But their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. What is vain worship, Mike? Empty and pointless, right? Empty, pointless, valueless.
0: And why was it that way? Because it was their idea and not not God's. God's. That's why it was vain, because uh, it was vain because it was just simply what they wanted and not what God had told them to do. The very same reason, it's the very same reason that God rejected the offering of Cain in the beginning of the Bible. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that that Abel's offering was made by faith, implying that Cain's offering, which was rejected, was not made by faith. Therefore, he did not have any command or understanding what he should be doing. Cain offered to God what Cain wanted to offer in the way that Cain wanted to offer it. Abel offered to God what God had said and did so in the way that God had spoken to him, told him. And that's why one was respected and accepted. The other was rejected. It's always been that way. So uh John also says the Bible says there is one truth the hard part's finding that truth and that is precisely what we're talking about this morning. And Jesus says uh, in John the first that all of you know John 8:32 and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free or set you
1: free. And sometimes that heart that truth is hard to get to. The Bible is a different book. It does it does not bear study in the same way that we study textbooks. Uh offer to John Go to Isaiah 28 and read verses 9 and 10. This is my perception of what who God teaches. And he says in verse 9 of Isaiah 28, Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Just those weaned from milk, just those drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, and precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. You've got to understand the whole text of the Bible. There are places where the same subject is dealt with, but dealt with in just a little bit different manner. And you have to know what those different places are and what they're contributing to the overall facts. Right. And it takes, I'm just going to tell you, it takes this attitude from Hebrews 11, 1, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who Diligently seek him, it takes right, diligence right
0: to keep so that you can understand how to alter your life yes um uh, the um
1: sorry that's no that's soap, right that's my soapbox I think
0: sir. that's I think that's exactly correct uh John texts in his confessions, Saint Augustine wrote, i don't believe he was a saint any more than you and I are saints, but mm-hmm. well, that's what he's often called, even has a city named after him. Uh, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and your heart, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. This phrase is perhaps Augustine's most often quoted. So, yes, our hearts are restless, and the only way they can ever rest in God is through this faith that you're talking about, Gary. A faith that we don't make up ourselves, but a faith that we know is based on what the Word says. And so we have a confident faith. A faith that is an assurance to us because we know it's based on the word that he spoke. And uh, that confidence in God comes from the word. He says in, in Romans 10.32, you see, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, you see. So we know that when we hear God's word, we have can have confidence in what he says, and it gives us confidence. So this is the... Um, this is the basis of true religion, true spirituality. Now, if you want me to, you said at the beginning of this, after the first text came in about the word spiritual, that I should yeah. define it according to the Bible. Let me give you this contrasting definition, see if this makes sense. Gary knows what I'm going to say, probably, because I've said it. Fifty well, times in a few years. Point. It's an important yes. point. As people study, they need to understand but this. The word spiritual. Yes. The word spiritual is used in the modern context to mean feelings. So a person who is spiritual is one that we, in modern our thinking, is one with. Oh, they're a very spiritual person, which means they're a very touchy feely person. They have visions and they have intuitions. And, and they follow and, their and heart. They follow their heart. This is called a spiritual person in modern times. that's the opposite of a spiritual person in the Bible. A spiritual person in the Bible is one who is following the spirit of God, not their own spirit. How do you follow the spirit of God? By listening to the revelation that God gave. So we are spiritual when you you're spiritual, when you do what God says and follow his word. You're not spiritual uh, just because you. uh, have certain certain touchy feel uh, feelings and so forth and let me run over to first corinthians chapter 14 sort of prove this point to you here in talking about these spiritual gifts where people are receiving this gift or that gift and they were praising the people because they thought well, they've got a they're close to god they've got a feeling about what the bible so what god wants he says he says to them in evaluating these prophets paul does and 1 Corinthians 14, 37. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. So when I've met people in my time as a preacher, Gary, even when I was young, who claimed to be a spiritual person, I remember one lady way back there, she said she could do spirit spirit writing, she said, that she would be sitting there with her pen in her hand and the Holy Spirit would come over her, and she would just begin to write. And the Holy Spirit was guiding her pen. She was just writing what the Holy Spirit told her. And as we discussed, so I, I, said, so I read her some different verses. I said, do you, do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? Well, she didn't. And I said, well, I have something to tell you then. You're not spiritual. You claim to be spiritual. But if you don't agree with what Paul wrote and what the apostles wrote, and you don't acknowledge that that is the word of God, then you are not spiritual. So the first test of a spiritual person in the Bible is, do you agree and accept that the scriptures are the inspired word of God? You see what I'm saying? So that's where the basis of it is. Put that with Galatians. That's the opposite of what the world thinks. The world thinks you take the Bible, you set it aside. Now you get revelations from God or uh, at your breakfast table, God tells you what to do for the day. This is a spiritual person or you get feelings in your heart, intuitions. That's not spiritual. That's following. That's worldly. That's fleshly. That's following your own heart.
1: That's the same thing Paul says in Galatians 1
0: in different words. Exactly, exactly. You have to follow not your own feelings, not whatever intuition you get, but you have to follow the scriptures. And so a, the flesh, this idea of the flesh in the Bible, yes, it does mean the physical body. But it's used oftentimes in the New Testament to mean the human nature as opposed to the godly nature
1: the human spirit the
0: human spirit which is according to the human spirit starting with adam and eve i'm going to do what i want to do my will is pre uh, preeminent over god's will that was adam and eve's problem it's all the hu- every human's problem and so a fleshly person is one who will follow their own heart their own desires over as opposed to god's teaching A spiritual person is a person who will follow God's spirit, what the spirit of God says, and not their own heart. So it's just the opposite of what's being proclaimed today. And Mm -hmm. if if we can say one thing to our audience today that's important, I want you to think about that. That What is the true definition of spirituality, and are you really a spiritual person?
1: And are you following God's spirit and not your own? Because if you're following your own spirit... The end result is exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 15 in verse 9. In vain they worship me, teaching
0: his doctrines the commandments of men. That's the end result. And people want to decide, well, I know it's God's spirit because I had a feeling in my heart. That doesn't tell you whether it's the truth or not because you had a feeling in your heart. What tells you is the truth is you read it for yourself and you understand it, and you can come to understand what it says. That's how I believe that my life is guided by the Holy Spirit because I try to live my life based on my understanding in a rational way of what the words of the New Testament say, and I base my decisions as much as I can, and I'm, not, I'm just stating this as what which my intention is, on what those words are. And therefore, the Holy Spirit is guiding me because the Holy Spirit wrote those words. I'm trying to live by those words. I'm trying to believe and think those words. Therefore, the Holy Spirit's guiding me. When I go beyond that, lay that aside, begin to do what I think and meditate in my own heart and come up my own feelings, I'm adrift. I may think I'm stable, but I'm really adrift in a sea of my own feelings. And that's the difference between spiritual religion and worldly religion. Most of these churches around here, Gary, are teaching the other that you should just abandon what this word says and just uh, Uh, follow your own feelings about things from day to day and week to week it's demonic yes okay in the long run it produces only the will uh, of the enemy of of god anyway we got a few minutes left we'd like to invite you to call in. still got plenty of time for a conversation 772-340-1590 772-340-1590 or if you'd like to text us uh, reach us at one of these two numbers, 772-260-6120, 772-260-6220. You can text us, and we'll try to respond this morning. We really appreciate those who have participated by calling and texting today. It means a lot to us. hope you'll join those folks here soon and communicate with us. We would really appreciate it.
1: Or better still, attend Bible studies with us. We have sure. two Bible studies one at about nine ten in the morning every Sunday 10, morning. 10. ten. Ten ten, pardon. Yeah, ten. 10. After, this show, after the show. Not during it. Yeah. <laughs> not during it. And on Wednesday night at seven thirty.
0: Right. And and you can do that with us. Our building is at twenty one ninety six Southwest Savona Boulevard. 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie. That's at the Southwest corner of Savona and California where California, where Savona runs into California. There's a little shopping center where the building just south of that on the West side of the road. Uh, Got a brand new metal roof on the building. Looks nice. Glad to have you come and be with us. Gary said 1010 on Sunday morning, 730 on Wednesday night classes for you and your children. And we have a very strong Bible curriculum for your children uh, so they can learn what the Bible actually says and read the text of it from the time that they're young. We'd encourage you to do that. Bring your kids. And And then you can come ask questions during the Bible class.
1: The the format of our Bible class, like Mike says, it's a a question. It's just like this. It's real time question and answer.
0: Right. And we have subjects we're going through. Uh, In fact, I'm beginning starting next week. Gary's been teaching since I've been laid up with his surgery. But starting next week, I'm going to be starting a class on how to study the Bible. So if you want to start that class, come next week at 10 o'clock, how to study the Bible. And uh, we're going to go real basic uh, how to do the how to read the Bible, how to understand what it's saying, how to take notes for yourself. And then you can begin that journey with us next week, starting at, at 10 o'clock. And then we have our worship at 11 o'clock where we have communion, preaching, prayer and so forth at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. And then 7.30 uh, for an hour, we have Bible classes for you and your children, again, on Wednesday night during the middle of the week. Sometimes you can get away, and it's a great time to, especially, you know, we like to meet with each other and get back acquainted, and Christians enjoy being together and studying the Word. So it's a good time to break your week and get your mind focused on spiritual things once again. 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard is uh, where we are. And since we're doing this right now, I'll just mention it we might sometime too at the end. You can also take a look at our website, which is uh, wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com is the website. And we would be glad for you to, to uh, take a look at that website. We got ser- all the sermons I preached for years here. Our radio- these radio shows are recorded. You can get them as a podcast. You can download them, listen online, whenever you might want searchable database there. For different subjects, information about the church and other Bible study resources. So take a look at that. We are just Christians.com. Well, Gary, we've got a couple of minutes left. And uh, I really appreciate those who have texted. A pretty good subject this morning, getting to the heart of so many things. And I will say, because I was actually thinking about this subject before we came today, strangely enough, that it does take a little bit of thinking to understand the gist of being just a christian because of this environment we've lived in all of our lives where there's hundreds of denominations and now we're being told have all of our lifetimes been told that all of them are one is as good as another and so it's hard to i think people instinctively know a lot of people do that that just doesn't make sense but they don't know any alternative to that they sense that this really can't be true that all these people saying contradictory things are all correct but they don't know what the alternative is we're trying to present the alternative that there is a way well we're trying to, to present do that.
1: we're trying to present the bible itself and the as, bible itself
0: is the alternative is, is that alternative yes exactly right and so there is a way it's not an easy way but it is the way to get beyond behind all this division and uh, and then also just be a christian and so, uh, you know, I got refused to surface at a hospital one time because back then you had to put down what religion you were. And I wrote on there at the intake at the emergency room, Christian. And this wasn't good enough for this hospital <laughs> until I had I, I finally just said, well, I'm not going to anything else. I'm a Christian. I'm not. Well, what kind of Christian? I said, I'm not any kind of Christian. And they just, you know, I think they wanted it maybe to the mental hospital instead of the regular hospital, you see. Well, But that, that's how that's how people think, you
1: see. Well, worse is coming, though. Worse <laughs> yeah, is coming.
0: <laughs> or you won't want to check that box at all. Right. Right. But uh, it's a foreign concept, but that's the idea here. Well, our time is gone today. Really appreciate you being with us. Hope that you'll come and visit us and tune in again next week to We Are Just Christians. And may God bless you until then you've been listening to we're just christians live from savona church in port st lucy heard nine o'clock every sunday morning on wpsl port st lucy